Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello there and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and apply them to modern life and love. You are joined by your very own Marcus Adan, Juno Dawson, and your very own Paul the Hustler, Dylan Beecher. <laughs> Hi. Hi Dylan, how are you? Oh, I've been thinking of you the last few days. Is this in relation to she who must not be named? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't, I'm not sure if we need to talk about it or not, really. I, w- I would like to. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, I turned down lots of TV appearances because I don't think I can say in 90 seconds of television everything that needs to be said, but this is our space. Um, so I got to thinking, is a safe and inclusive space. Um, whoever is listening to this podcast, however you identify, I like to think that you are welcome here. I also like to think that our listeners... If you bothered to read that 9,000-word diatribe that she wrote, I like to think that our listeners are smart and could see through what was transphobic rhetoric dressed up as reasonable concern. So when, when she released the essay, I was terrified for my continued existence in the United Kingdom, to be honest, because she, she has such reach and such influence. And I posted something on my Instagram and lots and lots of people responded and seemed to really understand what it was she was getting at, which is basically she wrote 9,000 words. But the only thing she really said is, I think that trans women are men and that trans men are women. And everything else was filler. That much like the last four Harry Potter novels could have been edited. <laughs> yeah, definitely the Half Blood Prince could have done with some uh, some cuts. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and that's that's something. Cause I was thinking this as well. If if we can take anything positive away from this, it's been a lot of people's responses. What's great is because of people like you, and because of increasing dialogue in pop in popular culture and on social media and stuff people now have now have the lexicon and now know what is being said and they know what's being hidden and they know what she's trying to do if it had come out a few years i mean it's obviously very dangerous as it is still but if it had come, if the same essay had come out a few years ago i think it would have been much more dangerous yeah and it's also you know it's been very powerful to hear lots of survivors of domestic and sexual violence yeah. say that she doesn't <clears throat> speak to me yeah i think 
pretty much every woman I know can separate the fact that pretty much all women at some time in their lives have rubbed up against abusive men, but that has nothing to do with transgender women. These are two entirely separate conversations. And if, if I mean, if you really do think that trans women are violent men in disguise i i don't know why you're listening to this podcast i think <laughs> you, you've, you've stumbled into the wrong space here yeah but no thank you for your support as well it's good so many friends have reached out over the last few days yeah. and, and it, there was a moment i think was it wednesday night when i was i was just really really scared like yeah. i was like do it do i leave because what's interesting is this transphobia doesn't really exist outside the UK. Obviously it does. But this 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 breed of it. Yeah, this very sort of well-to-do middle-class white woman transphobia doesn't and when I do work in LA or when I do when I've been on tour in like Australia or Europe, they are honestly perplexed. I've been thinking I've been thinking about why that might be the case. And because we're massively we're still massively hung up on like sex and like um, talking about sex, and I, I wonder if it might be something to do with that. I, ugh, I don't, I don't fucking know. I think it's a lot to do with cronyism in the British press, which is we don't have nearly enough women working in the British media. Full stop. But we have very, very few minority women, and in fact, you know, female journalists in the UK—they're very much all friends of friends. And there's been a lot of nepotism, which has enabled a real singularity of thought and opinion. And what we have is lots of very wealthy white women writing in the British media. And what's sad is that in the 90s, when some of them started, they didn't start out as wealthy white women. And that's, I think, what's really sad about J.K. Rowling, which is she was once upon a time a liberal working class woman. And somehow she has gotten into this very radicalized view she's in so deep she's in so deep it's scary if we were being very compassionate we could say we felt bad for her because it's almost it's like i mean i don't want to get sued um it's like a cult and it is radicalization Oh, so you you can see it with. I'm not going to name any names, but I've seen it with with some people on social media, yeah. whereby they are criticised for things they've said in regard to trans people. And actually, let's do name some names. So you've got Graham Linehan, Jonathan Ross this week have both kind of expressed some quite transphobic views. And this has stemmed from, historically, they were criticised for making cheap gags about trans people, particularly trans women. And instead of saying, fuck me, yeah, you're right, that joke was not cool, they double down and say, oh my God, trans people are militant, hysterical, you know, they're activists, they're angry and this is a lot of the same shit you hear around the trope of the angry black woman yeah it's like lighten up can't you take a joke and that's the response you get it's a real shame that like the tra- that being transgender has become to, me- to to much of the public has just become caught up in the whole quote-unquote woke stuff like a lot of people probably see the word transgender and they're like oh here we go again but no like it's not a movement like you're pe- like Transgender people. people are fucking people, like who sit, who have cups of tea and live their lives. Like, oh my god, yeah. It's it's you know this is it's so hard, and you know that's why I've so sympathised with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, 
well, over years, but of particularly over the last couple of weeks, because it's so tiring and it just feels like all of a sudden, it feels like in the last week, I've had another job. So yeah. I'm an author and a screenwriter. I'm a podcaster. Oh, and also I have to speak up and defend myself because J.K. Rowling is accusing me of perpetrating violence against women. So, you know, and it, it shouldn't, Minority groups shouldn't have to say these fundamental, fucking obvious things. What we need is we need white people to do the work. We need cisgender people to do the work. And mostly it's mental work. It's just challenging your prejudice, challenging your preconceived ideas of what a trans person is. Because actually, like you've said, transgender people are dull as fuck. (laughs) let's be really really clear if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you know exactly what i do i sit and watch sex in the city and then i podcast about it with my good friend dylan (laughs) i was thinking um not to blow our own trumpets too much but things like this podcast are really important and it's it's really important to just provide um and cultivate um unchallenging safe friendly spaces um, where we can talk about these things. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I try to do with all my work. And I know, you know, when shit like this happens, I try to get my head down and focus on my work because I try, I'm obviously trying with my novels and with my TV shows to put out inclusive and diverse stories. But when someone with the kind of power of JK Rowling yeah. says something, it honestly, it felt like when that fucking dragon flies in on Game of Thrones, you know, <laughs> yeah. like where, you know, the Starks think they've got it covered and then you see a fucking dragon and yeah. you know it's going to destroy everything. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Well, anyway, I, yeah, let's I, let's talk about Sex in the City. Yeah, let's. So, okay, ep- so which ep- episode are we looking at this week? Episode fifteen, shortcomings, which is a great title. <laughs> it is, and it's one of my all-time favorites. It yeah. makes me feel warm and lovely inside. Me Can too. you give us your potted synopsis? Yeah. So, um, Carrie is dating Justin Theroux. again uh, for the second time. Yeah, for the second time in <laughs> Sex in the City, but he's a different character this time. And he plays a fiction writer, um, quite an arrogant, annoying fiction writer, but his family are absolutely lovely. Um, Miranda is dating a divorced guy who has a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlotte and Samantha's storylines are intertwined this week because yes. of uh, Samantha's brother, Wesley, of Wesley and Leslie. <laughs> Char- Charlotte's brother, Leslie. Yes. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlotte. Oh, God. Let's say that whole thing again. Yeah. Start again. So Charlotte and Samantha's storylines are intertwined this week because of Charlotte's brother, Wesley, of Wesley and Leslie. Um, <laughs> and Wesley By and- any chance, do they work for Nestle? <laughs> and um, Wesley and Samantha have a tryst much to Charlotte's chagrin. <laughs> mm, well um, put. Yeah. Um, and it was cool. I mean, let's, if we can actually, can we start with Charlotte for yeah. once? That's weird. But it was so weird because very rarely would you have a scene with two of the girls where one of them wasn't Carrie. Yeah. And it really stood out. So normally it's all four of them or Carrie plus one. Yeah. So yeah. to see Samantha and Charlotte having their own entire lives happen without Carrie being in the room... Like, what? ...was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's possibly... I mean, maybe we should keep an eye out for future... It might be the only time it happens. I'm trying to think. 
There must um, be the another other, time. The other, the other time that stands out in my mind is when Samantha looks after Brady so Miranda can get her hair done. Mm. This is the first time, this is fact, set some city fact, it's the first time any of them have had a family member. Oh, yeah, because we were talking in series one about how, like, you don't really see or even hear that much about their families. No, we don't know how they... As, and I quite like this. I love that as four women. Clearly, Darren Starr and Michael Patrick can knew. Maybe it was written down on a piece of paper somewhere, like how these four very different women came to be friends or where, where they met. But what I quite like is that from episode one, it's just established fact. We don't know where they've come from. We know what their professions are, but we don't know at what point these women came into each other's lives. Yeah. And... Charlotte having a brother, we start to see that obviously they do have family life somewhere beyond. Yeah. And it's interesting. And you never you never meet any of their parents, do you? We meet Miranda's mum in a casket. Yeah. And it's an, and that is very unusual because a common tool in shows, um, particularly like soaps and sitcoms, is for like someone's eccentric mum to arrive or like for the you always meet the parents at some point, don't you? Yeah, and I think it was a definite choice Yeah, to, to leave their parents out. I mean, someone gives Charlotte away. A, a, a man who doesn't speak a line of dialogue uh, yeah. give, gives Charlotte away at her first wedding to Trey. Yeah. And we assume it's her father. But... It's interesting. It's maybe, this might be um, overanalyzing, but that's what we're here to do. It's maybe quite queer, the fact that you never meet their families. Like... And, it, and it's a nice kind of, this episode actually, which we'll come to, has a nice kind of queer sensibility ending where like... Very much. Yeah, the conclusion is that your friends are your family, um, which RuPaul enjoys saying. <laughs> yeah, basically like Samantha sleeps with Charlotte's brother. And I love like the inevitability of it. Like mm-hmm. she just knows it's going to happen. And as, as soon as she sees it, she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, hello. Oh, sh- and Charlotte's like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, and Carrie like... Like, tries to kind of give Samantha the benefit of the doubt, but Carrie really knows what's going to happen as well, <laughs> which yeah, I enjoyed. I, and I love that as well. And I, I actually, we never see Wesley again. He's not present at either of Charlotte's weddings, but I, I like him. I think woke Charlotte. So Charlotte is not woke. I mean, worth it for the line where she says, your vagina should be in a New York guidebook. It's always always open. (laughs) And then Samantha, I have another tour group coming through my vagina in 10 minutes. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, Charlotte has a breakdown. Um, (laughs) But I I don't think woke Charlotte would would approve of Wesley describing Leslie as frigid. I I think... Um, Charlotte would say, you know, women women must not be slut shamed or anti slut shamed. You know, we women women are in charge of their sexuality, and Leslie does not owe you sex, Wesley. And also, like, oh God, yeah, frigid. I haven't heard in ages, and I remember mm, it's a like horrible word. Yeah, I remember when like men saying a woman is frigid. Nine times out of ten, she's probably not frigid. She probably just doesn't want to have sex with you because, like, you haven't discussed it properly or there are some deep-seated issues or, you know, or she just doesn't want to have have sex with you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm nodding a lot. Maybe Leslie is getting her sexual thrills elsewhere. Maybe Mm. she is a lesbian or bisexual. But for whatever reason, Wesley says that Leslie (laughs) is frigid and Samantha fucks him back to life, which is great. Yeah, she likes doing that, doesn't she? (laughs) (laughs) She's brought him back from the beyond. Yeah. And Wesley has now understood that he must 
leave Leslie because he needs to go out there and get laid more often. Yeah, and, and then Charlotte freaks out. And... <laughs> well, she freaks out, but then she she forgives Samantha because she recognises that Samantha has has helped her brother enormously and that she has been quick to judge. Yeah, and a very a very sweet... I've said this before, I love when... Um, and Kim Cattrall does it very well. I love when Samantha has, like, motherly moments... Um, mm-hmm. almost maternal, like when she slaps Charlotte's bum and says, get in there. Like, I love it. It's quite touching when she, um, when she brings that to it. Yes. And it's the, the big, the enormous basket of homemade muffins <laughs> yeah. is Sir Charlotte. She is not bluffing with her muffin. Yeah. And that's why Samantha's like, oh, you. <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. Um, let's take a short break. And when we get back, we will actually get to Vaughn and his lovely family. See you in a sec. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back to So I Got To Thinking. This season, we are being very generously sponsored by our good squirrel friends at Brighton Gin. So each week, we're bringing you a cocktail recipe, which can be perfected by Brighton Gin. And this week, it's so easy. Even a small alcoholic child could make it. That means um, I can make it then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Long Island iced tea. Oh, a favourite. What we love about the Long Island iced tea is just all the alcohol in a cup. <laughs> so you will need... Oh my gosh, I think this is the making a bumper measure, but you're going to need 50 millilitres of vanilla vodka, if you have vanilla vodka. Woo! 50 millilitres of Brighton Gin, 50 millilitres of tequila, 50 millilitres of rum, 50 millilitres of triple sec, so that's Cointreau, and 50 to 100 millilitres of fresh lime, ice, cola, and two limes. So this is, we're making a jug. This is not for a single serving. Oh, right, I was going to say. You would have to go to hospital. (laughs) So pour all the liquor into a large jug, add the lime to taste, half fill the jug with ice, and then stir until the outside feels cold. 
add the cola and then stir to combine and drop in the lime wedges and that should serve four that's four servings my hardened <laughs> friends <laughs> hello i'm drunk <laughs> delicious i'm drunk just reading that recipe <laughs> um so where are we shortcomings let's talk about vaughn weisel who is so emblematic of a certain kind of white male oh celebrity God. writer yeah 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 and also He's like, like- that family is just it's just such a good portrait of like that particular breed of like rich well rich liberal metropolitan elite <laughs> it's arts families yeah so you've got you've kind of got your banking families and you've got your kind of your sort of hollywood families but then there there is a certain type of arts academia i was thinking family. i was thinking if sex and the city was set in london this family would be in hampstead they oh like, yes they'd have like memberships to the bfi like it's very that <laughs> mm-hmm. and as well i mean it's all in there you know the parents are academics the children are artists this it's this kind of this notion and obviously it then kind of becomes the punchline of this family is what you get when your children are fully supported and never questioned. But also you can only really have that kind of family in a space where finance has never been an issue. Yeah, it, and it does but, it does know what it's doing. Like it pokes fun at it. Some of the lines, oh, 100%. So, some yeah. of the lines are just ridiculous. Like when the dad's like, I'm teaching a seminar on cultural zeitgeist at Columbia. <laughs> it's like, what did you just what? say? <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, so let, let's talk about the family. So Vaughn, Vaughn, who is kind of like a heterosexual Brit Eastern Ellis or something, <laughs> yeah. is... Um, he has a mum who is called Wallace Wiesel. Yeah. Um, he has a dad who is played by Thingy Me Bobby from Man From Uncle. Uh, um, yeah. And then he has a lesbian sister and a straight sister. Yeah. And they all hang out in this beautiful house and just eat a fuck ton of bagels and locks <laughs> yeah. and scallion cream cheese. Do you know what scallion cream cheese is? I was thinking about it. I think it's like onion flavoured. It'd be like if we got like Philadelphia cheese and chive thing it's that it's like that <laughs> i bet it's way posher than that yeah but... but like that's that's what we that's our reference point point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um and carrie is seduced by the family more than she's seduced by vaughn who suffers from premature ejaculation yeah. which we're not here to make fun of that no no um yeah, the ladies are quite harsh on it, aren't they? It's particularly Samantha. Samantha's like, get rid of him. <laughs> it's it's d- <sighs> because the thing is. So once again, I'm going to talk about my unnamed ex who yeah. suffered from erectile dysfunction. So this oh, yeah. wasn't it wasn't an issue with premature ejaculation. It was to do with erectile dysfunction. And it did become an issue, not because he had erectile dysfunction, but because we couldn't talk about it, uh... and because. He didn't... He, it froze him. Yeah. So, whereas I was like, look, this doesn't matter because as well as your penis, you also have ten fingers. <laughs> yeah. um, let's get a vibrator involved. Let's get some sex toys involved. Let's yeah. get your tongue involved. You know, these things don't need to be an issue. And I will say this, a couple of years later, I went out with another guy who suffered from erectile dysfunction. And oh my God, he knew every trick in the book. Amazing. You know, and that was some of 
that guy again, I won't name him. It was some of the best sex I've ever, ever had. And, you know, we never needed to talk about the fact he couldn't keep an erection because it just didn't matter. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's the problem with Vaughn Wiesel, which is that he does ejaculate too soon, but then it completely freaks him out. And, you know, what it comes back to, I guess, as well, which is that in this case, his his family have been too open about drawing attention <laughs> to his premature ejaculation. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of um, shocked him into like not wanting to talk about it at all because he's so sick of it. Um, I grew up, my family were very, very open about sex um, from when I was very little um, to the point where I knew everything when I was like six or seven. Which... Did you know all the names of your body parts? None <laughs> of this poo-poo and pee-pee. <laughs> I did, I did. I vividly remember um, being like five years old and pointing to a condom machine in like when my dad took me to the toilets in a cinema and I was like, what's that? What's that for? And he's like, well, um, you put them on your willy while you're having sex and it stops you from um, getting someone pregnant or getting an STI. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Um, And Amazing. Yeah. So I had a family, my family are very different from Vaughan's, but in Mm. that respect, they're very similar. And I didn't grow up like Vaughan. So, (laughs) I mean, I I don't think many people I know have grown up like Vaughn. A couple of my friends in London had certainly very comfortable lives and there weren't barriers. So obviously, if you've been watching Michaela Cole's new series, I May Destroy You on BBC, you will see that I have a very small acting cameo. It's my first TV job. And people said, you know, well, why haven't you done acting before? And, you know, it was because my family were poor. Simple, simple as that. There, there wasn't. There's no. You know, how on earth was I going to go to drama school with the kind of fees they charge at RADA? You know, it was just never, ever, ever going to happen from a working class kid for Bradford. It was just not going to happen. And so I think you know, Vaughn has clearly benefited from having a comfortable upbringing. Um, I do, however, there's something about the performance of Valerie Harper as um, Wallace Wiesel, who has such warmth. And the the way they welcome Carrie into the family, they're both familiar with Carrie's work, they're big fans. Um, And you can can see it, Carrie is besotted with Wallace. And who can blame her? Because it's such, there is such a strength in that performance. It's one of possibly one of the best guest roles, I think, in the whole series. Now, it's interesting because if you were an American viewer, you were very, very familiar with Valerie Harper. In the UK, we don't really know the Mary Tyler Moore show. Right, in, right. In which Valerie Harper played the Rhoda. I think we know we know the I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda, yeah. Lena, from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I personally have never seen an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show, but of course it was a cultural phenomenon in, in America. Um, and so I don't think we can truly grasp Valerie Harper's star power, but um, she was a big star in America. She's possibly um, a bit of a... Um... 
I don't know, is she a bit of a Joanna Lumley, perhaps? Yeah, I think she yeah. would be on that kind of, yeah, possibly, yeah, the kind of, again, a, there's a reference that wouldn't really translate to the US unless yeah. you were a, possibly a gay man who really understands the cult appeal of Ab Fab, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, it's on a par. It's like Jennifer um, Jennifer Lumley, jo- sorry, Joanna Lumley, um, <laughs> rock, rocking up in rocking up in a sitcom. Yeah. Um, but she's so good. And, and in the end, when Carrie realises she's going to have to break up with Wallace, Oh, yeah. Um, is, is quite heartbreaking. Yeah. So let, let's answer Carrie's question. Um, when we screw someone, are we also screwing their family? Now, here's a question because I'm sure neither of us want to <laughs> particularly go into our partners' families because that feels... It's, it feels a bit... In, I mean, we talk about some very intimate things. Yeah. But interestingly, this feels the, like one of the most intimate, doesn't it? Um, well, it says, it says a lot that we respect our partners' families. Yeah. And do, do not want to necessarily drag them into the public domain. <laughs> drag them onto our frivolous podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just... One thing I will say is when... Carrie, when you really felt that when, like you said, when Carrie was welcomed in, and mm. I know how that feels. That's that's the, how welcoming Chris's family were. Um, and, and I and will, her. and I will say the same with the additional caveat of Max's parents welcomed in a transgender woman. Um, there was no, we're in trans corner. Um, there, there was no danger of me going stealth or passing myself off as cisgender because, of course, I'm so out there as as trans role model or whatever, Juno Dawson. So I couldn't pretend, I couldn't lie. Max couldn't pretend and Max couldn't lie. So Max told them he was like, I'm dating someone, P.S. she's trans. The, the very first time he told them and they have been nothing but wonderful and nothing but supportive and I never ever ever take that for granted because a lot of families would have taken their son to one side and said are you sure about this or whatever and that was never the case so they were they were wonderful and continue to be wonderful yeah and to a degree that that I mean and you'll you'll know about this as well to a degree that applies to being in a gay couple still of course there's, yeah there's course. still um there's still that thing at the back of your mind um are we going to get a double bed or twin beds <laughs> um <laughs> but we've always had a double bed um when we've gone to stay so yeah but i know yeah i know what you mean <laughs> no but this is you know the this is something that our a lot of our cis and heterosexual listeners potentially take that for granted that you know that parents that's not true because actually sometimes I know I have straight cis friends whose parents-in-laws are absolute fucking nightmares. So, um, <laughs> I mean, meeting it, the parents is always going to be an interesting and quite nerve-wracking experience, I think. Yeah, it's it's difficult <laughs> because, you know, you want you really want them to love you. Yeah. It's perhaps less common to love them with the kind of intensity that Carrie does. I, I don't know if I've ever been seduced by the parents in the same way that Carrie is besotted with Wallace. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to roll back through all my exes. 
Do you know what I will say, though, is I give very good parent, and I'm sure you do as well. Like, parents um, parents love me. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that's because I've had two jobs as well that parents can really get their heads around. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't work in finance project management or something. I work, at first I was a teacher, then I was an author. These are two very easy to understand jobs, so there's always something to talk about, kind of. Um, but yes, I'm, I've also traditionally done rather well with parents as well cool so I'll, um now we we have one final thread to deal with which is miranda versus children <laughs> yes oh god i felt this one i'm me a terrible per- i'm a terrible person dylan me too <laughs> i mean i i need to be very clear I do not hate children. I love children. <laughs> children are the future. Yeah. They are really cute. They're really funny. Um, I'm all about kids. Yeah. I'm a godparent twice over. My issue is children in adult spaces. Yeah, me too. And I mean, like, obviously pre, pre-pandemic, but I remember... I feel like there are just suddenly children, like much like this episode. I feel like there are suddenly children everywhere. Like when I was a kid, I was not allowed in pubs with my parents. But now, if you go to like a pub for brunch, there are kids running around everywhere. <laughs> the venom with which you said kids. Oh god, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I need to keep like. But also, like I do understand that if you're a parent, you might have to take your kid with you to the pub. Like, yeah. but also. Yeah, it's it's not for me. You see, <laughs> but I do think, like, so many things in Sex and the City, if you scrape off the top layer, you're like, oh, my God, I'm at the feminist fondant. And when we were kids, let's say we, because we were roughly the same generation, I'm not that fucking old, um, I think it was kind of assumed... And please, I would love mothers to correct me on this. Um, I think it was assumed that women would sacrifice their entire selves and their entire lives to look after children. And that for 10 to 15 years, a woman would stop doing anything she has previously enjoyed to go to family fun parks and theme parks and... Like those fucking jungle gym places oh. that you go to, socialize Chucky e. Chuck e. Cheese or something. Yeah, that shit. You know, would socialize only with other mums who also have kids, and that for ten to fifteen years, a woman would no longer get her nails done, get her hair done, go to a nice restaurant, yeah. go to a bougie coffee shop. And so, actually, I can totally see both sides. Women, because I think the vast majority of childcare does still fall to women. I think you still far too often hear that men offer to help out or men offering to babysit or men offering to take the kids for a bit. So the default is still that women will spend time with the children. Yeah. So I can completely sympathize that why the fuck should women have to sacrifice all the things they like doing because they're mothers. Absolutely. But but at the same time... You know, there is nothing particularly child friendly about a coffee shop. The point when I, you know? the point when I have, like, I'm abs- of course, absolutely, 
<clears throat> all for everything that you just said. The point when I have an issue with it, much like Miranda, is when it encroaches on my lifestyle. And there's, there's it, for certainly not, certainly not all, but for, with some parents, there's an expectation that it's our obligation to make room in our lives for their children. And that's what I have an issue with. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a very queer thing, because actually, by and large, room has not been made in society for queer people. Full stop. So which is why, yes, if there is a bunch of kids running around the glory, you'd be like, what the (laughs) fuck is this? Um, But then then queer creatives also have kids. So, So really, this is about tolerance and understanding you know it's about sort of both sides might need to give a little strangely this plot is later repeated with a child hurling spaghetti at samantha yeah um so we, we we twice visit the notion of the way that children have to exist alongside adult life i'm not sure why children would be in a gym i mean that is a lawsuit absolutely waiting to happen yeah. so i can understand why that's i must admit, i don't think i've ever seen kids in a gym in my entire life no i've um, never seen or heard of that maybe it was maybe it was like a deliberately extreme example maybe they yeah. were like what's the what's the most kind of extreme place that we can put kids in this episode yeah because gyms are dangerous i wouldn't i think you'll look at again looking at a potential lawsuit there um and it's i suppose but this is in the grander scheme of things of course miranda is the first to have a child yeah this is a really vital part of her overall plot arc that we see that miranda is hugely intolerant of children um because that is going to become vital in a couple of seasons and it's interesting they use miranda's cynicism as a tool quite often don't they um she's like the least likely to fall in love and then she does she's the least likely to have a child and then she does um and it's interesting yeah it gives it a bit more of an interesting punch i'm not sure if i would be able to date a guy who had a child just because (laughs) interesting yeah just because i personally um am nowhere near ready for that yet um i haven't completely ruled out having kids but it wouldn't be and this is my gay male privilege showing Mm. it probably wouldn't be until i'm like 40 <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I briefly dated a guy who had a child. Mm. Um he did not have custody of the child or he had shared custody of the child. Mm. But it was, you know, I I went into it understanding that his daughter would come first and I was kind of because it because it never got serious, I was kind of fine with that. Yeah. Um however, I will say this Oh, God, I, we sound like the worst people in the world. <laughs> that when we were on it, I kind of wanted him to myself. You know, if, yeah. it, if, if it was his weekend with his daughter, I was very chill about, well, you go off and do your thing. And, you know, we'll we'll have a date when, when she's with her mum. Yeah. I don't think you know? we need to feel bad for being honest and critical about this. Because when it comes down, comes down to it, it is a... For the most part, in this in the UK in UK society, it's a lifestyle choice. Um, yeah. So yeah, we can we can uh, criticize it if we want to. <laughs> I'm being very. I, I really don't want to offend any parents, and I know well, we've no, got. Some... I mean, you are you were right. Nobody. It's not national service. No one is forcing anyone to have children. And later on, of course, yeah. Carrie. Carrie. We there is a whole episode dedicated to 
the fact that if you are a single woman, your lifestyle choices are not celebrated in the same way as married people with children. It's called a woman's right to shoes. Yeah. So we, we're going to come back to these themes constantly, which is, you know, marriage, children are lifestyle choices and they are lifestyle choices which are very much still celebrated in our very heteronormative society. Yeah, and, and very reinforced as well. Um, of course. But do you know what I have been thinking over the last few months? Like, my God, having kids right now during... I mean, things are starting to get a little bit better. But in those first few weeks of lockdown, my heart just really, really went out to anyone who has kids. Yeah. I think a theme of lockdown has been a lot of fathers realising how much work mothers do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that I've heard from a lot of different families. And that's a um, good that's a good thing, obviously. Yeah, I mean, God, there has to be some silver linings from 2020 and hopefully it's fathers recognising just the sheer labour that goes into raising children. Yeah. Go and live with the Weisels, eat uh, scallion cream cheese and forget about the world. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, and may, may your families be as liberal, tolerant and understanding as the wise elves. Yeah. Is there a conclusion to Carrie's ridiculous question? When you screw someone, are you screwing the family? No. no. I think yeah. it's, if you're going to get serious about someone, their background is, of course, a huge part of that. But I don't think you're getting into bed with them. No. And I think it's also slightly different, perhaps, when you're LGBT plus as well. Like, I think that... The family is potentially less. There's a less, bit of a less focus on biological family, a mm, lot, a definitely. lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. Um, and that la- the last scene is lovely. Yeah, where she breaks up with both Vaughn and his mother, and she is walking down the street in a little black dress when, for some reason, the other three girls are having having brunch without her, harsh. Yeah. And she knocks on the window and there is a place at the table. And yeah. I think that, that metaphor, which is, you know, when you've got really, really good friends in your life, there is always going to be a place at the table ready, ready for you to welcome you in. And like, like you said, like, it's not laboured the point of, oh, she has a family. But, you know, it, to me, as a teenager watching that, it, again, it was one of those scenes that made me think, if things aren't great with your family, you can make your own family. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a nice point to end on, I think. I think that's a lovely point to end on. Next week, we are going to be watching season two, episode 16, Was It Good For You? Oh my God. Which has has one of the most iconic scenes in all of Sex and the City history, um, which I cannot wait. I can't wait. Miranda's poor hair. (laughs) Miranda's, oh, poor sweet Miranda. Until next week, please do subscribe. Please do leave us a little review. It would really massively help us. You can keep in touch with us at S-I-G-T-T podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Juna Dawson. I'm at Dylan B. Jones, LDN. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.